Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Support for the Cannon Fire podcast is brought to you by our good friends over at BetOnline.ag. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any other place online. And of course, they've always got the online casino, which never closes. So head over to BetOnline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Once again, BetOnline, your online sportsbook expert. Tampa Bay Buccaneers from the 48-yard line. Second down, 13. Brady lobs one downfield. Caught ball by Gronkowski. Inside the 20 to the 15-10. Gronkowski to the 5 to the 4-yard line. Holy Gronkapoli. <laughs> Third down, 18. Dropping Gannon, looking Gannon, looking Gannon. Those up the middle. It's intercepted at the Derek 30. Brooks. Derek Brooks, 30. Brooks to the 25-20. Derek Brooks all the way. There it is. The dagger's in. Yeah. We're going to win the Super Bowl. Super Bowl, baby! This is the big nasty. Yeah, big nasty Hall of Fame Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan, baby. This is Mike Allstott, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and you're listening to the Cannon Fire Podcast. Cannon Fire Podcast, brother. You ain't listening, and you're missing out. Woo! Hello and welcome, ladies and gentlemen. A brand new edition of the Cannon Fire Podcast, live on YouTube today for episode 182. The 2021 NFL Draft is officially behind us. The Buccaneers have made their selections, and uh, today we're going to talk about it. Welcome back to the show. I am your host, as always, Rhett Matthew. Joined alongside me, my good buddy and co-host, Philly Bucks fan himself, Mr. Evan Wanish. We are joined by a very special guest today, good friend of the show, over from pewterreport.com, Mr. Taylor Jenkins hanging out with us. How you doing, boys? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Thank you guys for having me on. Happy to be on the Cannon Fire podcast. <laughs> I know I accidentally <laughs> shot out a tweet right before we went live tagging the wrong cannons, the loose cannons. No disrespect to those guys. But I'm with you guys tonight. I'm excited to be here. Having a good week. Glad the draft is over and ready for you know all the new guys to get there and get settled in and start writing about them. How are you guys? Doing very good. And uh, it's, it's, you know, the draft to me is you wait so long and then it's over like, like that. And then, you know, just like we were talking about beforehand, now you're, you're looking forward to what's the next thing that's happening. Um, you know, so yeah, I believe what May 15th Bruce Arian said is the kind of the date for, for rookie mini camp. So that'll be when I guess most of the rookies will, will be able to, to, to get here, hopefully as long as they have you know all the, the safety and health stuff in place. So. Um, should be yeah should be some some actual shots of guys maybe playing football in, in shorts and shorts and t-shirts but, but playing football here here soon oh yeah we were talking before the show started I, I don't know about you guys but like I'm just so happy that the draft is over like I've never been the biggest draft yeah. guy before but especially with pick 32 we talk so much coming into this about how the Bucks didn't have a huge need so you know they could have fun at 32 they could draft whoever the hell they want uh, they could have fun in the second round which is kind of what they did a little bit of a controversial pick that we'll get into in just a little bit but i'm just i'm glad it's behind me i'm drafted out man it's a it's a long process for a lot of people and normally though it is more exciting when you're picking in the top 15 and you look at a guy and you're hoping oh man if he can get there if he can get there you know if you could trade up trade down you know because you're talking about like the prospects that are going to come in and make an immediate impact for you yeah and the books just weren't in that position and 
honestly, every team that wins a Super Bowl, most likely they have a need. The, the Bucs are really a rare, a rare case with them returning all of their starters that they didn't have a huge glaring need that they needed to target. So, yeah, I I definitely was – you know, I, I love the draft, so I'm never truly bored with the draft, but there was times where I was like – uh, it's it's kind of a kind of a bummer that you know you're sitting there at 32. Obviously, you take the the Super Bowl win any day of the yeah, week, but yeah, um, you're you're sitting there at 32 instead of you know 10, and and it's you know a little less exciting or or suspenseful, I, I should say. Oh yeah. Before we really get into th- uh get into things, let's check it out over on our live chat. Mister Bucks Nation chiming in. Willie Beeman, our moderators, holding it down. Kevin five two two. Bucks Gaming 05, Andrew AN, Biz610, a couple of other people. Thank you guys for hanging out with us tonight. So let's go ahead and kick things off. Round one, number 32 overall, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers select, Joe Tryon, outside linebacker, edge rusher from Washington. So we talked a lot leading up to the draft about how the Bucs were able to do a good job bringing everybody back. There wasn't a huge concern anywhere that needed to be addressed immediately right most of it was going to be depth uh depending on what kind of situation you want to forecast ahead for you've got some guys hitting free agency next year maybe that's a position they target but there wasn't a whole lot that was super detrimental to how successful this team can be in 2021 um they added joe tryon and uh what a great situation for this guy to be in edge rusher out of washington He's going to basically be third in that rotation of Shaq Barrett and Jason Pierre-Paul. And I mean, you know, he actually was on your mock coming into this, Evan, as well. You're pretty high on the guy, but a really good situation for Tryon to be in. And I think the pick that made the most sense. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I just wanted to, I'll let, I'll let Taylor go first here, but sort of, you know, closer to the draft it became, it's rare for a number 32 overall pick to become the consensus. But I think a, a lot of people had Joe Tryon to the books at 32. So I can't take full complete credit, but yes, I did have him. I was like pretty much almost dead wrong on the rest of my mock uh, for, <laughs> for, for the books for the seventh round one. But um, I did get Joe Tryon right in, in the first round. So Taylor, what, when, when you look at a guy like Tryon, uh, what do you see and, and how does he fit in with, uh, with Tampa? Yeah. I mean, you see a guy, he opted out in 2020. Can't, I mean, weird season can't knock him for that. Um, Probably may have slid a little because of that. Um, I think the Bucks find themselves fortunate in that situation. He said they ver- they told him verbally, if you're there at 32, we're going to try and get you. And he's the kind of guy that he comes in, he's long. He's long, he's big, he's explosive. Um, really cool for him um, coming in with a couple teammates. Uh, Vita Vea alongside him on the line, uh, played with him at Washington. Benning, not going to try and pronounce that last name and butcher it here on this <laughs> podcast. Um, he said he talked to him real quickly after being drafted. Uh, he said, come on over, let's get started. So he's excited to be here. And I think he's a guy that really fits for the Bucks. I think he's kind of that hybrid, you know, he's got a lot of length. He's got a lot of athleticism. I think he's developmental, but that's kind of what you expected from all of the Bucks picks, I think, this year. And he's in a situation where, like you said, 22 starters back from a Super Bowl winning team. You have two unbelievable players in Jason Pierre-Paul Jason and uh, Shaq Barrett. Pierre-Paul is going to be here for at least one year. Shaq Barrett's locked down long-term. He does not need to step in and immediately be a guy who's you, – you have to expect 16 games from him. You don't have to yeah. expect him to try and learn it all on the fly. He's got a guy in Jason Pierre-Paul that I think – he can model his game after a little, use that length. He's a little limited. I think a lot of his production came 
cleaning things up or his main point of attack was a bull rush, which was good. He's long, he's strong, but in this league, and you hear it a lot from Shaq Barrett, it's developing moves, it's developing counters. And that was one of the first things he spoke about when he was talking uh, to the media was all the work he did in 2020 when he did opt out about kind of diversifying that set and, uh, you know, adding club rips and adding club moves and anything to kind of take advantage of that length. And I think the biggest thing that he brings to this Bucks team is that he is now immediately probably the third best pass rusher they have on the roster. Um, yeah. Last year, the Bucks were very fortunate to not need much depth at the position. You had Jason Pierre-Paul start 16 games and play them. You had Shaq Barrett play 15. And you really didn't need guys like Anthony Nelson or Cam Gill to step in and do a whole lot. But now what I think he allows you to do, on top of rotating in and getting some very, very valuable developmental snaps in this next season, assuming – no injury from Jason Pierre-Paul and Shaq Barrett, you know, knock on wood. But now you have a guy that's a good enough edge rusher to warrant bringing Indomitian Sue off the field on pass rush situations. And I think that is where it's really going to be awesome for the Bucks because we know – I tweeted about it the day after he was picked. I go, when you have a front seven that consists of Devin White, Levante, David up the middle, and then you've got on third down situations, Vita Vea at nose tackle, Shaq Barrett at edge, um, Joe try on at edge, and then you can move JPP on the interior. That's a really, really disgusting front seven <laughs> to be pinning their ears back and attacking the passer. And last year when you had a guy like Anthony Nelson, who isn't really, he hasn't really turned into, I think the pass rusher they wanted him to. Right. He's kind of not a knock against him, but he's kind of just a guy. He's not a guy that's going, I think at this point yeah. or last year to be a real force in pass rush. And I think that Jason Pierre Paul is a guy that, it's almost sometimes, a sh I mean, you can't say it's a shame. Edge is so important, but he could be one hell of an interior defender okay. if he wasn't such an insane edge rusher for his entire career. So I think that's really what you can expect from Joe Tryon. You can get him in, you can rotate him in, give JPP and Shaq a breath when they want it, when they need it. And, and in, in long, third and long pass rushing situations, you get into situations where you're up, you force teams to get one-dimensional like Bruce Arians loves to talk about, and you just let those guys pin their ears back, put in that pass rush uh, personnel, and just let them go. I think that's what I'm most excited from seeing from him. And you had brought it up. I think it's important to kind of reiterate here, but, you know, when he did opt out of that 2020 college season, he didn't sit around and do nothing. Um, you yeah. know, he was out in California working a lot with some trainers and he was working on utilizing that length that you had mentioned to the best of his ability. And I know that you had basically said all that, but I think it's just important to mention again, because I don't know, it definitely does turn a lot of people off when you hear that he opts out. Hasn't seen a whole lot of real live football action, but uh, he definitely wasn't, you know, just sitting around eating chips. Um, another thing as far as try on and kind of his day one impact, you know, he'll be rotational, uh, rotational on the line, maybe coming in on passing downs whenever JPP needs a break or one of those guys, but special teams as well. And I think that's kind of, you know, a common theme about a lot of this draft classes. They yeah. got some, some, uh, some special teams help. They got a replacement for Ryan Smith that we'll talk about a little bit later, but I really think Tryon can uh, put a hand in the dirt and help out on special teams come day one. And I, I think that might be where we see him most starting out of the season. You think Evan? Uh, yeah, you could see him a little bit there. I, I think the bucks maybe would like him. So I think you definitely want your first round pick contributing in some way, uh, unless it is a, you know, a pure developmental quarterback or something, you would like your first round pick at least to be on the field in some capacity, uh, for for a good bit so if he's not seeing the field as that third pass rusher possibly uh, I know it was funny I I actually you know I, I 
I mentioned Taylor on Twitter because when he tweeted out that formation, I, it was really funny. I was thinking of that formation that morning and Taylor like it's read crazy. my mind and it was, yeah, it's because they really do a nice job whenever JPP is inside. It usually is successful. And um, the issue why, and I think that might've been a reason they haven't done it more often is because they never had that third edge rusher to when, when you kick JPP inside, who else is going to be behind them yeah. to be able to, to get more pressure. And like you said, Anthony Nelson, a solid run defender, but just is what he is at this point. I think I don't, I don't think you can count on him uh, being anything more than that. Cam Gill's a developmental guy. And I just don't know how high his ceiling is, but I think a guy like Tryon with some, some development, like you said, Taylor, I, this guy's not going to come in and, and win defensive rookie of the year, you know, year one. I don't expect that, but I, I do think he can become a solid starter for you in you know, two, three years. And right now, that's what that team, that's what this team needs. This team isn't a team in, in dire need of a, of a savior on defense or anything. They, they got guys. And like you said, with Jason Pierre-Paul being a free agent. Also, I you know, want to point out the Bucks were incredibly lucky with their health last year. Yeah. Uh, you know, especially between with those two guys, uh, Shaq Barrett and Jason Pierre-Paul rarely went down. Uh, had some nagging things, but Jason Pierre-Paul had, had a, a nagging knee injury pretty much all year. And uh, we joked about it when we were doing our game previews and the injury report and stuff that he would get veterans days off pretty much a lot of the time, every single week. Yeah, I don't think he practices practice. after August. No, no. Yeah. I don't think well, he's, I mean, I mean, I know he had the broken neck, but I don't think he yeah. spent a day with the bucks that he wasn't on the injury report for one thing or another. Yeah. And in the playoffs, his, knee, his arm in the playoffs, there were multiple weeks. I mean, he, he didn't practice at all. Uh, and really yeah. quickly shout out to our guy, Mr. Bucks nation, $2 super chat towards the Wendy's fund. Thank you so much, buddy um yeah so yeah thank you thank you james i uh, appreciate it and um you know the the funny thing to me with with that formation that that taylor talked about to go back to that for a minute is yeah you you can put nandamakin sue on the bench but you can also put will ghost on the bench i'm comfortable with either one of those guys i think will ghost might give you a little bit more pass rush wise a little bit more jump um but then yeah like i said i just think it's this pick is for the future, but it's also one that can help you now. And the Bucks could have made some selections at 32 that you look at and say, uh, is this guy really going to help you out a whole lot right now? But I think Tryon in this case is a guy who fits pretty well in the defensive scheme. I and mean, we, we talked about it. Uh, Washington runs a very similar defensive scheme that, that Todd Bowles likes to run. Uh, and the Bucks are familiar with Washington players as, as Taylor mentioned. Um, and Taylor, yeah, I haven't really attempted to just it, – it's Benning on this podcast. That, that's, what yeah. we, that's what we refer to him as. It, it's Benning, Benning. P. Yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, it, it's just easier that way. That's like trying to say Vita Vea's full name. Um, <laughs> it's just, that's just impossible. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, I, I think it's a, it's a win-win for, for both Tampa and Joe Tryon, and I think it, it made all the sense in the world. And I, I saw somebody in the chat before we move on to the second-round pick which I think we'll probably talk about the longest. Yeah. Um, but I saw somebody in the chat say something about Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa. A lot of people are wondering, you know, like, wow, man, why did the Bucks pass on him? He lasted till 52. So there was a lot of questions though. why did many teams pass on him? And it came out today that he has a, a heart condition um, that was really worrisome for a lot of teams. And that's why he eventually fell outside of the top 50. Because if you're talking about pure talent, he might have been a top 20 yeah. talent in this class. 
Um, and I think that's that what the confusion was. A lot of people thought like, hey, this, this guy this fell for some reason. There's Most of the time when somebody falls, there's always a reason for it. Um, and this year with the medicals, just like Jason Light said, the medicals this year were so tough to get for guys. And I feel like in a normal year, maybe we would have known about his heart condition before the draft. Uh, but this, you know, now Cleveland takes a chance. It's in the second round, not the first round. And I think that's why ultimately they, they went with Tryon over a guy like uh, JOK. Yeah. So let's go ahead and move on to the second round. Like you had said, Evan, this is the one we, uh, we're going to be talking about the longest tonight. But this is going to be the one that people – are going to remember this draft for uh, with all due respect to Joe Tryon, wish him a great career. And I think he will do fine in Tampa Bay, but Kyle Trask quarterback out of Florida is who the Buccaneers selected at number 64 overall. This is the move that absolutely everybody will remember from this draft. And listen, we have to be upfront about it. We said on this show, we were pretty confident the Bucks weren't going to be taking a quarterback. And I mean, over the, uh, the, the past few days, I've tried to uh, to reason with myself how to feel about this pick. Um, basically, with no pressing needs, the Bucks were able to snatch up a developmental quarterback in Kyle Trask. He'll spend the next two years just sitting on the bench behind Tom Brady, which isn't the worst spot of being. But uh, when he finally does get to play, you know, he's in a cushy enough situation where he has no expectations of starting right now. But yeah. I guess the way that I look at it is it's not the pick I would have made. Definitely not. I don't think this was the year to get a quarterback, but I don't know. Is it a bad pick per se? I'm going to go with no, but I guess we have a lot of time to figure out how that turns out. Evan, your thoughts on Trask at 64. Um, yeah, it was, uh, if, if, if anybody wants to go and, and go on uh, Mr. Bucks nation, uh, his channel, he was doing a, a live stream uh, throughout the draft as long as well as uh, Pewter report. Um, yeah, we got a live reaction yeah. of you doing that. Yeah. Yeah. So um, he was, he was going nuts. He was a Kyle Trask fan. He wasn't one of those guys that were like clamoring for him, but he did like Kyle Trask. And uh, you know, what it comes down to, to me, one, I am surprised. Like I'm, I'm still very like right now when I think about it, I'm like, it still doesn't feel hundred percent real. I'm like that they actually did it. It's like, I feel like it's just one of those things that like is talked about and talked about and talked about just by like fans and media just kind of hoping and you're like, yeah, but like, that's not going to happen. You know, kind of like, you know, kind of, kind of like, you know, like the Antonio Brown stuff or, you know, early on, um, it's like, you know, yeah, like, yeah, but that's, that's not going to make your, your wishful thinking there. You're, you know, um, and then to see it come to fruition, it was, it was, it was surprising. So my one, of the day two quarterbacks of the three that were considered the day two quarterbacks, uh, Kyle Trask, Kellen Mond, and Davis Mills. I had Kel Kyle Trask as my uh, last ranked one. Uh, I had Kellen, uh, uh, no, I'm sorry, Kyle Trask as my last ranked one. Kellen Mond was my highest, and Davis Mills in the middle. So I personally wouldn't have picked a quarterback like you, Rhett. That's what it comes down to more for me. But if I would have picked a quarterback, it wouldn't have been Kyle Trask. Um, I'm not going to sit here and just dwell on the pick for years and years and years because at the end of the day, it's, it's the second round. It's the last pick of the second round and they clearly liked them enough. All three quarterbacks were still on the board when they picked them and they picked him. So it's not a question of, Oh, do they like this guy more? Do they like this guy more? 
like no like they you know they seem to like Kyle Trask a lot I don't necessarily see it the arm strength isn't 100% there for a Bruce Arians offense to me the mobility is, is a concern and everybody brings up well Tom Brady's the Bucks quarterback sure but Tom Brady's such a rare case and every you know comparing some something to Tom Brady to me is just it's a it's a it's not fair because you've never seen anything really like Tom Brady. Like Tom Brady, the athlete should not be successful at football. Like he, he just, he shouldn't, but yeah. he is, you know, he just, he, he is, he can't run. I mean, he, he has a decent arm, but it's not like a absolute cannon. Right. Um, and I mean, but he's just a smart player. That's what Trask has going for him. Trask, I think is a smart player. And I just wouldn't have made it the pick because it felt like 2022 was the year. You have somebody sit behind Brady for a year instead of two. If you wanted to pick one in the first round, you would have had the fifth-year option. Now you don't have that fifth-year option. Let's say Kyle Trask is the starter in two years. That gives you two years to evaluate him, and then you got to either franchise tag him or give him a long-term contract, or you're looking for a new quarterback. That's not a lot of time to, to look at a guy. I know Trevor uh, – I. Trevor. Wow. So we had Trevor, we had Matt, and now we have Taylor Jenkins on the <laughs> podcast. So we've had a lot of some ex Peter Report guys and some current Peter Report guys. Yeah. I know Taylor had put out an article recently sort of asking, is Kyle Trask a wasted pick? Not necessarily a bad pick, but is it a kind of a wasted one? Um, Taylor, do you want to go in, in depth with that a little bit? Uh, yeah, you kind of hit the nail on the head right there at the end um, that I don't think a lot of people, especially Florida fans, of which down here there are many, um, <laughs> of which those all have very strong opinions on Kyle Trask that largely disagreed with my headline. Sounds like another um, Florida school quarterback we have experience with down here. <laughs> yeah, so it's just like I think a Jameis Winston, just like a Kyle Trask, just like if you were to draft one out of Miami, you're going to have a lot of people here that love him, a lot of people that hate him, and a lot of people that – for better or for worse, have very strong opinions on him. And that makes, I think, putting out an opinion on him uh, very tough. It's a hot-button issue. <laughs> um, but I had a lot of thoughts when Kyle Trask was drafted. First, just like you guys, it was one of those things, and I tweeted about this, that, I mean, Mark Cook, diehard FSU guy, you know, he said back in January, the Bucks need to draft Kyle Trask. Um, he was one of the Bucks' best bets for Pewter Report. Um, on all of our uh, articles leading up to the draft. Um, so, but it was one of those things that when, if you were to hold a gun to my head and you said, are they going to draft Kyle Trask? I just never felt like that's what's going to happen. You know what I mean? The, the draft can fall so many different ways yeah. and you can go so many different directions and, and who's there and who's on your board and what do you want to do with it? I just never saw a situation where realistically he was going to be drafted by the Bucks. And I, I wrote an article um, that night I was up till after 2 a.m. writing that, um, finishing up all the draft stuff and writing that. And it was like you said, was Kyle Trask a wasted pick? Now, I want to say, first off, I don't think Kyle Trask is a bad player. And I think he showed that last season. He, he took over for Felipe Franks in 2019. He had a good season, led him to 11 and two. And then he made like a Joe Burrow leap forward last year. <laughs> I mean, I'm talking, you look at the stats. 4,283 passing yards, 46 total touchdowns, 43 of those passing, eight interceptions, eight and four record, nearly uh, had an opportunity to go beat Alabama in the SEC championship game. 
Granted, he did have Kadarius Toney and Kyle Pitts and Trayvon Grimes on that offense with him, but he had an absolutely unbelievable season. I mean, I think in a lot of years that wins him a Heisman. He ended up fourth in the voting, which is unbelievable, kind of. He was behind, what, Devontae Smith, Mac Jones. um, Uh, I forgot who else. And and then it was Kyle Trask four. But in a lot of years, I mean, that gets you a Heisman. He had a phenomenal year. And I think he's a good dude. I think he's a smart dude. Jason Light and and Bruce Arians, I think, really like the leader he is, really like the guy he is. They like him, you know, from the neck up. They think he's smart. I think by all accounts, he processes the game well. I think when he's able to sit in the pocket and play in rhythm, he can he's accurate. He can throw to all three, you know, uh, levels of the field well. But but I think there are questions that come that come to my mind, at least. And that was first off, what are you drafting him to be? Are you drafting him to be a backup quarterback or are you drafting him to be a starter in two years when Tom Brady, if, if Tom Brady plays out 2021 and 2022, are you drafting him to be the starter in 2023? And I have questions for both of those situations. If you're drafting him to be a backup one, you're spending a second round pick on a backup. Mm -hmm. And I know you could say, Oh, it was pick number 64. It's barely a second round pick, but when you look down at what Jason Light's done, sure, he's got the Roberto Aguayos, the no expenses, but he's gotten Chris Godwin in the third. He got Carlton Davis at pick 63. He got Jordan Whitehead in the fourth. He got Jamel Dean in the third. He's made some good picks there. And I'm not saying that, you know, like I said, Kyle Trask is bad, but if you're drafting him to be a backup, you're using such high draft capital on them. There are still a lot of good players available there that I know you're not looking for starters. You're not looking for a starting cornerback or a starting linebacker. You know, you're looking for depth, but you're also looking for guys who will eventually grow into that. You know, I think they needed cornerback depth this year. They ended up getting it late a little bit in Wilcox, but you've got Carlton Davis. His contract's going to be up next year. Now I think they make a big push to re-sign him. But after that, you've got Jamel Dean and Sean Murphy bunting up. Ross Cockrell is not going to be around forever. He could slide into that fourth cornerback role the following year. Um, you know, you could draft for depth. And if you're drafting him to be a backup, you think the Bucks, as good as this team is, if Tom Brady's season ends at any point in the season, yeah. do you think that regardless whether it's Ryan Griffin, Blaine Gabbard, or Kyle Trask, they're making a Super Bowl run? Yeah, realistically, it's, it's, it's probably Tom done. Brady, you're, you're, it, it doesn't you're, matter who the quarterback is. It's done. Yeah, you're swimming or sinking with Tom Brady. So, I think what the Bucks want from their backup quarterback this year, and we already know they're trying to re-sign Blaine Gabbert. Bruce Arians said that immediately after the draft. That makes it a little more confusing because what you want out of your backup is a guy who, if Tom Brady goes down and has to miss two, three, four, five, six weeks, a guy who can keep you on schedule. You go, okay, we have a talented roster. Tom Brady's going to be back. We just need to have a guy who's good enough to go win us a few games. And Kyle Trask has started two seasons since he was 14 years old. He was a backup to Derek King in high school. He came to Florida and credit to him. He stuck with it. He didn't transfer. He waited his turn. When Felipe Franks left, he came in and had a good season and an absolutely phenomenal season. But is he ready to step in and even beat Blaine Gabbert? He could very well be QB three in year one. And Mm -hmm. if he, if you're drafting him to eventually be an upgraded backup quarterback, I think that's kind of a high investment to make for that. And especially when you look at guys, if you want him to be the future, I think his high-end traits are what limit him. Um, When you look at guys in the past that, who are the quarterbacks that are dominating the league right now? You've got 
the Josh Allens, the Lamar Jacksons, the Patrick Mahomes, the Russell Wilsons, even, you know, guys like Dak Prescott and Russell Wilson who were drafted later, they have high end traits. They can run. So even if you have a guy where you go, okay, well, this isn't there and that's not there, their floor is raised because of their mobility. Kyle Trash doesn't have mobility. He, he, I think he lacks some of the ability to create out of structure, which is something that is very important in the NFL these days. Mm-hmm. I don't think he necessarily has elite arm strength. Um, I think that's a downside of his game. So then you go, okay, if he's going to be the starter in 2023, even if he progresses the way you want him to, and I think he can be a good starter in this league. Can he ever be a quarterback that you look at and you go, this is the guy that's going to get us over the hump, yeah. and this is the guy that's going to win a Super Bowl? And I just don't know if his upside will ever be that. He could be a decent starter in this league, and I think there are probably teams this year he could have gone to and fought for a starting spot. And I think he could be a good starter in this league if he develops properly. But I don't think that spending a number 64 pick on him, you know, to, through no fault of his own, Good dude, good player, insane last season. I just don't think it makes a ton of sense for the Bucks, uh-huh. And that's kind of where I'm at with Kyle Trask, which is very confusing. I'm sorry I'm rambling. I know I have a lot of thoughts on this. I knew, like you said, this was going to be the one we go into the longest. But <laughs> And then, yeah, even if he has to start in 2023, it's like, all right, we got two years to figure this out. And then you either got to extend them or move on. And if you want, like you said, when you look at a quarterback that doesn't have high-end traits and you go, is he ever going to be the guy? It's so easy. People come to you and they go, oh, well, look at Peyton Manning. He wasn't mobile. Look at Drew Brees and look at Tom Brady. Well, if you're drafting a guy who doesn't have high-end traits and you're hoping that he's going to be Tom Brady or Peyton Manning or Drew Brees and not going to be Jared Goff or Jimmy Garoppolo, then you're probably going to be disappointed. And I could see a situation where the Bucks are very easily in a situation in 2023 where they still have a good roster and they still think they can compete in the NFC, but they're in the same situation the 49ers are in, where they're going, we're ready to win now, but we don't think we've got the answer here. Mm-hmm. And I know it's tough to just kind of keep going and realizing that there's a finish line for Tom Brady and you want someone there to kind of, you know, mold and be that. And you go, okay, hopefully this is the guy, or, you know, he can be a backup now and maybe step in. But especially if you're bringing Blaine Gabbert back, I just don't know how much sense it made to me. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the traits thing for me is, is a big thing that I, I brought up to a lot of people. And, you know, like you said, a lot of people bring up all those names for all three of those guys. There are a hundred quarterbacks that have been drafted that had the same traits as those guys that you've never heard of because they never panned out. Yeah. Uh, all of those guys are such rare cases. Now I know Peyton Manning, he was a top pick, right? Like it's not, you yeah. know, Drew Brees, Drew Brees wasn't a first round pick. Tom Brady was obviously a six round pick. Peyton Manning was the one that was a first round pick. And he did, did have questions about his arm. Sure. But Peyton Manning is, was one of the smartest football players to ever play the game. And he just, he understood it. Tom Brady, again, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, just the, some of the smartest players. And Kyle Trask is a, seems like a very smart player. I'm not saying he's not. But, you know, with the way the NFL is trending, everything's just getting faster, right? And, it, and yeah. it's, it makes what Tom Brady's doing right now even more remarkable because everything is getting faster. And, like, he's slowed down, if anything. You know, Tom Brady, uh, his mobility has never been, you know, been almost non-existent. And the NFL just keeps getting faster and faster and faster, yet he keeps finding success. Are now 
in your next quarterback, are you going to have that same success? I, I don't know. I, I think, and, and the big thing, you know, that, that I think James had asked me when I was on his stream and I had said my ceiling for Kyle Trask, I, I think the very best that, that you can hope for, for Kyle Trask is that he's an Alex Smith type. He, he can win you games. He's not going to lose you games per se by turning the ball over four or five times a game. Uh, but is that guy going to win a Super Bowl? Like, like the goal here is to win a Super Bowl. The goal is not to go to the playoffs. Um, the, the, the goal is to, to win the Super Bowl. And I just don't know if Trask is going to be able to do that. Now, that is two years out, at least two years. That's a long way away. Um, but it's just, yeah, it, it's confusing to me because that second round pick, like you said, Carlton Davis was the 63rd pick. This is the 64th pick. This is only one pick later. Yeah. Uh, you, you could have found, you know, a guy like Carlton Davis, uh, you know, you could have used some corner depth, some interior defensive line depth, even though I know that the class this year was just God awful. Uh, you could have used some linebacker depth and interior offensive line. You could have, you could have picked an interior offensive lineman a little bit earlier, and then you wouldn't have had to use the third round pick on an interior offensive lineman that we'll talk about in a few seconds here. Um, but yeah, to me, it's, uh, second round pick and a lot of people could say well joe tryon's a backup essentially he was a first round pick joe tryon projects as a starter in in a year or two he projects with a lot of upside yeah which uh, is i think the <laughs> issue that we have with kyle trask is yeah. his upside is could he become tom brady yeah his his his, his ceiling is very yeah. limited it's not it's it's not it's not there and i, I just i wasn't really a huge like there was no day two quarterback that I sat there and said, like, the Bucks have to have this guy. Yeah. Like I said, Kellen Mond was my favorite, but that's because I think that guy is the has the biggest room to grow, and, and he can turn into potentially a guy like, uh, you know, a Patrick Mahomes light kind of, like a poor man's Patrick Mahomes to where he can run. He, he, he has a rocket of an arm. Just, just needs the right coaching, and Tampa had that coaching. Now, you know, Bruce Arians, Byron Leftwich, uh, Clyde Christensen, Tom Moore, those guys looked at Kyle Trask and said, we can work with him. Those guys know no, no more football than yep. all three of us combined. So They forget more every day than we know. So at a certain yeah. point, you just have to trust their judgment <laughs> yeah. and go, okay, we all have our opinions, but that's why we're not the ones, you know, tasked with drafting them. Yeah. I just think you look at like, even the guys like Jalen Hurts, where you go, okay, mm. he need maybe he needs to see the game a little better. Maybe he needs to work out some things and throw the ball a little better, but his floor is just raised because he can run around and he can make yeah. plays with his feet. And yeah. until we can let that other stuff develop, his floor is raised with Kyle Trask. It's almost like the opposite. Yeah. You know, you go, okay, well, he's got nothing, but if he's smart and he can get the ball to the, you know, yep. to a really talented group of receivers, definitely a phenomenal situation for Kyle Trask. Oh yeah. No. I, it did. This could pose probably the, the best realistic spot for him. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, the other spots, what, like, like a new Orleans, I mean, there's still uncertainty there who their who their starting quarterback is and in Tampa. There's no, there's no doubt who the starting quarterback is this year and probably next year too. So yeah. uh, he gets to stay in state. It's a great uh, sort of supporting cast around them. Going to sell a lot of jerseys here. Gotta, 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 you're gonna see, gonna see a lot of number two jerseys out there. You are, you are. There's, there's gonna be people breaking out the the Chris Sims jersey and putting the duct tape on it. Say Trask. Um, That's, yep. So, so really uh, quickly, I, I want to have some fun with a hypothetical question, and maybe I'm asking this question for the people who really like Kyle Trask because those people 
probably didn't hear anything that they liked over the last five minutes of the podcast. Let's just let's stay hypothetical here, right? Bucks drafted Kyle Trask to be the guy he's starting this season. He's not the most athletic guy in the world. We've seen Tom Brady make it work as a one trick pony for 20 years in the NFL, seven Super Bowl titles. Am I saying that Kyle Trask is capable, uh, capable of that? I don't know. Nobody really knows. That's a conversation we just had. But if you plug him into this offense week one with the weapons around him, we saw what he did at Florida. He had a great supporting cast. Can he win football games with this team? And I guess the most important question I'm trying to ask is you plug him in week one or the Bucks making the playoffs. I don't know about a Super Bowl run, but is he making the postseason with this offense as it is right now? Can you see that for a guy like Kyle Trask? It's tough for me because if you put him in day one, that's a rookie, right? It's yeah, not, it is. That's a, that's a rookie, rookie like I said, who has had two years. Mm-hmm. You know, take away how great last season was. I cannot right. say that enough. It was unbelievable. Have yeah. a lot of friends living here that went to Florida. I watched a lot of their games. It was an unbelievable season, but not a lot of experience. Not a lot. And you're going to get year one. If Tom Brady goes down and he ends up being the backup yeah. and Tom Brady has to miss five games and Kyle Trask comes in and wins three or four of them, then mm-hmm. nothing we said matters because mm-hmm. because that's that's a win for the Bucs. If they bring in a guy who Tom Brady goes down for any sort of time that isn't season ending and he can go out there and win some football games, just then keep, nothing keep we said in, matters. And that's a good hunt, pick. And that's a good just pick. Keep him, yeah, keep him in it. Don't. You know, don't, don't just don't screw up. And I think Kyle Trask is certainly a guy like that. That said, are you drafting a guy like that in, in the second round at number 64? I don't know. Uh, one th- one more thing before we move on uh, from Trask. You know, we talk about the, the traits and stuff. My biggest thing is the two things that Trask really struggles with are two things that you, you can't really – you talk about the great coaching staff, but it's two things that can't really be necessarily coached. It's, you know, his arm strength is not great. You know, is the coach, the coach is going to be able to maybe get him in a weight room, maybe he can throw an extra few yards, but like they're not going to have him throwing yeah. 10 to 15 yards further all of a sudden by coaching him. Right. And, and, and mobility. How are you going to coach him to, to run faster? I mean, those are just traits that you have to have physically, and, and he just doesn't. But what is going for him to, to end it with a positive spin? It's been a lot of, you know, sort of bashing him. I don't, I don't want to come off as that. Yeah. Um, but he's a smart player. It seems like they love him, uh, or else they wouldn't have used such a high selection on him. And I, you know, at the end of the day, like we said, you got to trust the guys that that are making those decisions. They're paid for a reason. Jason Light won a Super Bowl for a reason. Uh, he's he's no slouch of evaluator. Now he has picked two quarterbacks in, in his in his uh, time as GM in Tampa, and they've both been hasn't the left the state to do it. So. Yeah, didn't want this to come off like we were just <laughs> bashing him. I just feel like it was it was hard to make my points without everyone feeling like I mean, even in my column, I got a million replies just telling yeah. me what an idiot I am from Gator fans. Well, I don't so want it to make I don't want to make people, it sound like I dislike this dude. I don't. I think he played football. Yeah. yeah, some of those people read the headline and just say, "Oh, what?" You know, yeah. not a lot yeah. of those people. Read it's that. it was a specifically for the Buck situation. It wasn't right. was it a bad pick? No. Not yeah, necessarily. Exactly. We don't know. Yeah, we don't Was know it a yet. wasted pick? Maybe. It's like, I don't want to say I don't dislike the dude as a dude. I don't dislike the guy as a football player. It's just buck centric. Was that where I wanted him to go? Thought they should have gone? Probably not. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, it's Rhett. And listen, something you might not know about me is I love to fish. 
I got a bunch of family that also loves to fish, and that's why I'm so excited to tell you about the newest sponsor, the Cannon Fire Podcast, our guys over at Monster Bass. Monster Bass is the fun and affordable way to get the best new baits from the fishing industry's top brands delivered to your door every single month. It's a premium subscription fishing company that handpicks the best baits based on where you live and the type of fish in your area. No more guessing on which baits are going to work. Just leave it to the pros at Monster Bass. Basically, it's like having your own personal fishing guide, and it's changing the way bass fishermen shop for their bait. They're quickly becoming the number one fishing brand of anglers everywhere. They've got the best baits from the best brands, and you're covered by the industry's best customer service. So if you want to catch bigger bass this season, head over to MonsterBass.com and use the code BUCKS10 to get $10 off of your first order. That is B-U-C-S-1-0 to get $10 off your first box over at MonsterBass.com. Sign up today and tell them Rhett from the Cannon Fire Podcast sent you over there. So moving on to round three. I've talked about it on the show a whole lot. You guys know how much I love it when they draft the fat guys. And that's exactly what we get. Offensive tackle from Notre Dame, big Robert Hainsey. Bucks lost Joe Haig. They were in need of uh, a new swing tackle, I guess. And one of the really cool things about Hainsey is he's very versatile on that line. The guy's kicked around at a bunch of different positions. And when you talk about versatility on the line, maybe Hainsey can be that replacement as well as offering a little bit of offensive line depth. Um, he lined up as a tackle at Notre Dame. He kicked inside to play guard and center at the senior bowl. And I heard that that's what really got the Bucks turned on to him. Um, he's also pretty good at getting to the second level. He's got great instincts, just a big physical guy. And uh, honestly, I think it's a good value for a third round pick. I kind of like this one a lot. Yeah. I, I mean, so he actually played right tackle uh, every, every start at Notre Dame. He never played guard, never played center at Notre Dame. But like you said, played a little guard, played a little bit of center at, at the senior bowl. His measurables kind of project to more of an inside guy and not really a tackle. Um, his arms and, and length is a little bit shorter for, for a for a ideal tackle. So, yeah, I think that's what the Bucks really, I think, were looking for a guy who didn't really have a position, right? right. Didn't really have a, a set position. And I think that um, – you know, with Hainsey, it was a slight, slight reach. I, I, I thought, you know, um, I thought he was a, a fourth round guy or so, but you know, in the late third there, uh, I don't, I don't mind it as much because they targeted a very specific need, right? Like they had, they had a need for a third edge rusher. That's a very specific need. They got it. They, you know, I guess they considered they had a need for a development of quarterback. They got it. And they had a need for a versatile backup offensive lineman that in a pinch, if Ali Marpet goes down mid game, uh, you know, you, you, and then you have put Aaron Stinney in, if Aaron Stinney goes down, he can play that. If, if Ryan Jensen goes down and you want to move Marpet to center, you can plug Hainsey in at guard. That, that that's sort of what they wanted. And really, if you look at their linemen, they can do that, right? Marpet can play both sides. He can play right guard, left guard. He can play center. Ryan Jensen can play guard as he did this past year. 
I, I think he played guard for, I believe, what, a game? I think it was the Carolina game. In yeah, Carolina. Joe Haig got a chance to step in and start, and it took one game for the, yeah. against the Saints, <laughs> the Saints for them to go, this ain't yeah. going to work. No. <laughs> uh, so they put in – um, what's his name? He's the coach now. <laughs> it, it, yeah, um, it, it, Shipley. They put Shipley in, in its center. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. Jensen played a little bit of guard. Um, so they, they really love their off, uh, versatile offensive linemen. And I, I'm just – I'm never going to really criticize drafting an offensive lineman from Notre Dame. Uh, they they yeah, seem to know what they're going. doing over there. Uh, the, like I said, Notre Dame, Wisconsin, Iowa, those, those, those three schools always seem to just produce NFL talent along the offensive line. Um, and I, I think it's, it's a very specific need. They filled it. And I thought there were better players on the board maybe, but – if, if they see something they like with him, go ahead and do it. They obviously saw something that they really liked at the senior bowl and they pulled the trigger on it. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, along with your point of just being at Notre Dame, that's a, I mean, that's a, you got to be smart to be there for one. Mm-hmm. Uh, they produce great talent on the offensive line, but two, it's just, I think he fits that Bucks mold so mm-hmm. well. I mean, multi-year captain, I think he was a real leader on the team. That's right up the Bucks alley as far as what they want from those guys up there. Um, I think you you listen to Brandon Thorne, um, noted uh, offensive line guru. Um, you can check him out at Brandon Thorne NFL on Twitter. He thinks he best projects to center, um, and I think that's a major thing for the Bucks is that they do not have a center two now with AQ Shipley as unfortunately his career ending yeah. injury last year. Um, but he's a guy that, like you said, he's he I think he's the the makeup that you want mentally and and just personality for the Bucks offensive line. I think he's a guy that the the coaching staff just fell in love with. I'm sure from that perspective. But at the same time, you cross train him to play center. He can play guard. He has the body for an interior. He's a little he's a little small. Uh, you know, he's not the optimal frame for tackle. We did see him, I think, at the Senior Bowl and his pro day over 300 pounds. So that alleviates some concerns there with whether he can hold that weight. But he's a technician. He wins with violent hands. He's got very good technique. He's very strong in his sets. I think um, Brandon Thorne said he projects to a center best at the next level. He can play some guard. And then even if need be, he can play swing tackle. So I think that they fell in love with the guy. I think they fell in love with the personality and the and the and the uh, the leadership ability. I think his nickname was cap there. Like I said, multi-year captain. And then he can play in a pinch dang near everywhere across the offensive line you might see him get uh, a target in the super bowl if he's lucky <laughs> you know even um, maybe he'll he hold on to it yeah, yeah but he'll make the most yeah. of it um i know brandon thorne really liked him had a third round grade on him a little questions about his body but other than that i think um exactly what the bucks were looking for uh, at that mm-hmm. spot yeah so following the trend with special teams here in the fourth round i think the buccaneers traded up uh, to get a pretty good answer at the returner position, we'll see him kind of compete over the next few months. Jalen Darden, wide receiver from North Texas. They traded uh, the 137 pick and a compensatory sixth rounder to trade up to 129 to snag this guy. He is a wide receiver, and uh, let's not ignore his resume coming out of North Texas. He was very productive there. He is an all-time leader in career receptions, receiving yards, and touchdowns. 38 touchdowns over his college career. He had 1,200 yards last year with 19 touchdowns. So he's a great receiver. What kind of capacity will we see him in? I feel like maybe Kyle Trask will throw him a crossing route or two in the preseason if we have one. (laughs) 
But uh, I'd like to see him really help out in special teams and be an answer at that returner position. I think he can do it. He's pretty shifty. Uh, Evan, your thoughts on Darden? Yeah, and I think that's that's the Bucks' plan with Darden. I, I think they looked at – I mean, they, they tried so many. They tried Kenjin Barner. They, they tried Jadon Mickens. Um, they, they, they just tried so many different guys at this returner spot, whether it was kick or power turn, and none of it seemed to work. Uh, they just they, – they, they got no production out of it and they, they were constantly near the bottom of the league. I, I know that the kickoff rates are, are going down because people are kicking the ball out of the end zone and they're just not being really returned. But I mean, they just got nothing when they needed it. Not, not necessarily touchdowns, but Hey, you know, but break off a, a, a 30 yard, 30 yard kicker turn or a 30 yard. <laughs> help your, help your offense out a little bit. Yeah. Just, just, just help out a little bit. It doesn't have to be every time, but if you, if you do it, once every you know two three games just be be a spark on special teams and they really didn't have that and i think darden who i I believe i think is my favorite pick um he was one of my biggest sleepers uh but before the draft i really liked him coming out of north texas he is kind of uh there's some questions about him maybe being a one-year wonder because like you said he had 38 touchdowns in his whole career but he had 19 in one year so um yeah maybe maybe he is a little bit of a one-year wonder but i i think if you look at it he's he's a pure yak guy he he's not gonna you know wow you with his size or anything i think what is he five seven or five nine yeah like 170 175 i think was what he weighed in his pro day yeah real tall not not a downfield guy at all no, no, just just a guy that really a guy that they don't really have a, a ton of a guy that's going to make people miss by finesse kind of not really power. Uh, I think Chris Godwin is a guy that can get away from people, but I think Darden play style wise rejects more to Antonio Brown than he would uh, yeah. Chris Godwin. Um, but his real value and people looked at it probably and saw trade up in the fourth round for a wide receiver like wide receiver is the deepest position on the team. This is this is a, a special teams pick, and who knows if you know, if, if if Darden turns into something, I think he can have a role in the offense. Probably not at first because, it, like I said, it's a stack room, so it's going to be tough to find playing time. But injuries happen, and the Bucks yet again, I'll say it again, have been very uh, very fortunate with injuries. Yes, Mike Evans got a little bit banged up. Yes, Chris Godwin got banged up at times. But, man, if, if there's a position to, to get hit with one, it's a lot of the times it's wide receiver. They're taking a lot of big hits, and they're running a lot of routes. So, uh, especially maybe in training camp, when training camp first starts, you, you deal with a lot of nagging injuries there. So I think a guy like Darden could maybe step in if you need him to and fill a role in the offense. Now, it is a very specific role. He's not going to go out and be Mike Evans. Um, but, yeah, I think he can – he's a guy that can take a, a one, you know, a five yard screen and, and get, you know, 10 extra yards out of it by making a guy miss. Uh, but I do think his real value is going to come on the, in the return game. And I think the bucks finally could have a potential threat that, that teams have to think about kicking to uh, you saw Deontay Harris uh, for, for the saints against the bucks really <laughs> kills him almost every time. Like there's like, you know, the bucks haven't had yeah. that in what, I mean, forever. Right. Uh, a guy that like, in the back of your mind, you're thinking, "Oh, this dude could this dude could take any one to the house." Right. I think Darden has that potential. Now he's not going to come in and his first punt return is going to go to the house. I'm not saying that. He's not like an not not saying player. that either. 
Yeah, no, not not. Jalen, if you're that. listening, we're not not <laughs> saying that either. Prove us wrong. I would yeah, love it. Sure, absolutely. If if you want to take the first one, yeah, the opening night of the of the take season. all of them back. Why yeah. why limit? Yeah, just take them all back. Hundred um, percent. Yeah, I, I think he he has the potential to become a really dangerous return man, and it's something that this team hasn't had in a long time. And I think it's something that. Not necessarily maybe Jason Light, but I think it's something that Bruce Arians uh, prioritized. He was probably like, hey, like we just got to get start to get more out of special teams. We, yeah, we won a Super Bowl, but we, we got to be able to, to get more out of our special teams. And right now, the Bucks special teams, besides Brian Suckup and at times Bradley Pinion, the Bucks special teams coverage and, and you know, kick coverage. Average coverage. Hell. Yeah, I, I mean, at, at times, at times, the way to put it, kick. The kick and punt coverage was brutal. Um, I believe it was one of the, the lowest in the league at, at one point. So obviously they made some picks later on to, to help that. But as far as, you know, return, this is a pick that I think will, will really help from, from day one. And a lot of people said, well, we'll even make the team. Look, they, they, they moved up to get him. And then there's a clear spot for him on this roster. I don't know if this means, uh, I don't know what this means for Justin Watson. I think it could mean maybe he's, he's going to be a guy that, that goes uh, just because you're probably going to carry six receivers. I can't see a carry in seven and that last receiver is going to have to play special teams. And that's likely going to be Darden. So I think it gives the bucks now a, a real threat in, in the return game that, like I said, they haven't had probably since I've been even watching them. I, I just, I can't remember the last time they had a guy, obviously a guy maybe breaks one every now and then, but a guy that consistently can, can maybe make something out of nothing. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that he's probably going to have to play more than just returner on special teams. That was one of the biggest things. I think they kept Justin Watson around as long as he did because there were a lot of opportunities for Justin Watson. It seemed like every year it was like, all right, going into training camp, this is a chance, man. Big guy, over six foot, runs legit 4-4, and he just never really kind of took that next step. But he did do something that he never did in college. He said he never played, you know, um, playing at Penn. He was – he was the guy, so he wasn't playing special teams. Stemmed him with the Bucks and wound up finding work on all four facets of special teams. So that was what allowed him for a long time to stick around. So he'll probably have to do more of that. And like you said, the Bucks special teams were not good last year. Um, outside of suck up, they really weren't good. Their coverage teams, their return teams, just bad. And so going into day three, Bruce Arian said we're on special teams, and that's what they spent on every single pick. So when you were right. sitting there in day four, going what are they doing? You know, you're drafting two linebackers who one's undersized. You know, neither of them can really cover. You have three that are better than that, but special teams, that's where they're going to make their money. And Darden's the same way. Um, Darden's fast. He ran a four, four, six, uh, probably, you know, might expect faster. If you look at the tape, especially yeah. at 174. I think his play speed's a little faster than that. But then you look at his, um, uh, 6.66 second three cone drill. That's in the 93rd percentile for wide receivers, a 3.98 second short shuttle. That's 97th percentile for wide receivers, a uh, really fast, really quick. Um, I think he is a guy that, you know, can find some work in screen games, things like that end arounds, yeah. get him into open space. Mm-hmm. I know he was at North Texas where the, where the competition level isn't the highest. You mm-hmm. kind of want to see coming from there to the NFL are you good enough to translate that from going against the guys you're playing at North Texas to the guys you're going to be playing against in the NFL, the best of the best, the guys that aren't taking bad routes and, and are wrapping up tackles and are putting you on the ground. Can he translate that? 
Luckily, he probably won't have to do a ton of it next year. <laughs> um, like we said, he's sitting behind Mike Evans and Antonio Brown and Chris Godwin and Scotty Miller and Tyler Johnson and blah, 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 and all of them. Um, so he might have a very limited role on offense, but can immediately step in and probably do punt returns and um, kickoff returns. We saw Jaden Mickens at wide receiver a few games last year. Not great. He can probably do that. <laughs> you know, he could probably live up yeah. to that um, kind of level as far as wide receiver goes, but probably will have to play about as much as Mickens did at the position last year. Um, so that probably spells the end of Mickens time with the bucks. I don't yeah. know if he's still practice squad eligible if they want to do that. Um, but yeah, he was there. I think that was kind of the moment where, yeah, we were like, man, is Jason light going to make a trade this draft? He loves doing it. It seems like he does one at some point or another, every draft, <laughs> finally in the fourth round traded up and got him. I know Benjamin Albright had talked about Darden as a guy that could potentially come in and help as a returner for the Broncos. So I know he was on some radars. I uh, think PFF liked him quite a bit. Um, so yeah, traded up, got him. I know light said he didn't want to give up a ton to go up and get him. Oh. Um, they were worried about some teams in front of him who were looking for receivers, looking for speed guys. Didn't want to give up a ton. Ended up giving up what a sixth round pick. Yep. Um, and and, and uh, flipping force to go get him, and that allowed them to go out and get the three guys we're about to talk about. So, um, probably the most exciting of yeah. the day three picks. Um, probably the most potential to make an immediate impact of the day three picks. Um, so a guy who really quick, explosive. Um, just hope he can step in and be, you know, make an impact in returner, maybe with a couple injuries. Uh, I know it was it was really weird because last year I was just begging for them to use Scotty Miller and in, in some in some bubble screens oh, yeah. and some end arounds. And then they finally did. And I realized, oh, that's why they don't do it. He just he's really fast. But he's yeah. I mean, everybody wants to call him a slot receiver because they don't watch the Bucks play football. But he's like Deshaun. <laughs> he's, he's what they wanted Deshaun Jackson to be for the Bucks. Yeah, a guy who's straight. just going to line up outside, run right past Kevin King and score a touchdown yeah. before halftime in the NFC championship game. That was yep. the plan all yep. along, um, but that's what he's good at. He's fat. Uh, Scotty Miller is faster than he is quick, where I think Darden is a little bit of the opposite. You know, he's an open space guy, and maybe they can work that in a little bit. But I think, yeah, probably the most exciting day three pick for the Bucks. Moving on to the fifth round pick, number one seventy six overall. Most of these picks are pretty cut and dry. The the next yeah. the next picks yeah um, yeah, yeah. Most, oh, yeah we won't spend a whole lot of time. Are, but um, but they they are sorry to cut you off, but they are. You know they do they do resemble a theme, and Bruce Arian said two things: speed and special teams, and that's what this next guy in particular is, and also another Auburn defender, which they seem to love. Oh yeah! In the fifth round, they take KJ Britt, inside linebacker from Auburn, and I don't know how much you would consider this, but I think this is another case of you know a guy kind of slipping in the draft position because of an injury. His senior year went down with a thumb injury. Came back, played great in the Super Bowl, had five tackles and a couple of other plays that he made. He won best linebacker in that game. A um, little bit of depth at the inside linebacker position. I think you can put him next to like Kevin Minter, right? Or even a potential replacement if Kevin Minter decides not to return one day, which is a position we had talked about a little bit before the draft. He's a big body run stuffer, does have some weaknesses in coverage, but, uh, you know, pretty, pretty cut and dry pick like you had said, Evan. Yeah, it's... Uh... It's just a, a developmental guy that they, they liked for special teams. I think he'll probably make the roster as a special teams player, uh, especially since, you know, they don't really have much depth behind Minter. Um, and, I mean, like he had an injury. I think he might have gone a little bit earlier had he not had that injury. I think he only played, what, two games in his in his first – in his last year at college. So, um, 
yeah, I, I think he he's a player that, like I said, just just has a very specific role in special teams, and then maybe you, you the hope would be that he can turn in to a, a Kevin Minter replacement next year. Minter signed for this year; it's only a one year deal. The hope is that you know you don't really have to spend money on Minter when you know, you have a lot of guys to resign, so you just you have KJ Britt to just come in and, and fill that role. Not I'm not sure if he can do that, but we'll see. I I think. You know, I would like to get a good look at him. I, that's where, you know, preseason would be nice. I know, I think they're what? Because it's the 17th game, it's only two preseason games now, right? I think that's, yeah. that's the norm. So um, that that's kind of a bummer for a guy like Britt. But, um, you know, I, I still think that he can have some potential to be that third linebacker. That I mean, Jack Sitchie, God, God bless him, but he just could not stay healthy. Uh, and they just, I think they just kind of lost faith in him that he, this guy could stay healthy. Like they, they cut him and then they brought him back and now he's, he's gone again, it appears. So, um, yeah, I think KJ Britt is like, you said, it's very simple. It's, this is a special teams player. It's not going to be an exciting, uh, exciting like piece, but it's an important part of playing football. And it's a, it's a, it's a thing that yeah. the books have been lacking. And I mean, I think they did. They won the Super Bowl just because their offense and defense just overpowered people. And I think when when your offense and defense, you know, and also the most important part of special teams is making your kicks, and that's what Ryan Suckup did. But the, with the, with the Buck situation of having so little needs, they were able to basically nitpick, right? Like nitpick what you want, yep. and this is that's what they identified and, and ultimately went with. Yeah, and I think that it's interesting. KJ Britt and Stewart, they're different players. Um, Stewart's a little undersized. Mm. Britt is a big boy. Um, I think he's 250 plus pounds, over six foot, you know, six one. Um, but basically played kind of the same. Don't cover real well, run stuffers, uh, play physical, play hard. Um, and I think that they'll probably both be competing as a Jack City replacement. Um, these are guys that you bring in and you go, well, they're going to, you know, whichever one probably lands on the game day roster is going to be that fourth inside linebacker behind Kevin Minter. I think the Bucks, despite Minter's limitations, he's kind of the same way, you know, he can't really cover plays well in special or plays well, uh, defending the run when he has to get in there. He's, um, I think they're comfortable starting him. I don't know if they would necessarily feel the same way with KJ Britt or Stewart right now. Um, I think Britt would probably just physically have the better makeup to do that if there was an injury to be the backup to mentor. Um, but yeah, these guys are going to make it on special teams. Um, hard nosed guys, guys at the Bucks, I think really like. Um, they went with, you know, speed, heart, things like that. Guys they liked, and um, like I said, both probably going to be competing for linebacker four on the roster and replace Jack Sitchie there. Oh yeah. The final two picks for the Buccaneers this year come in the seventh round. As we talked about, they traded away the compensatory sixth. So pick number 251, cornerback out of BYU, Chris Wilcox. And we brought him up a little bit earlier. This is your special teams guy that I really think they aim to, uh, you know, replace Ryan Smith with him signing elsewhere this past offseason. 6'2", 195 pounds. Wilcox ran a 4'3", 140 at his pro day. 38 or i'm sorry 37.5 yeah. inch vertical so later pick safe to say he's a little bit raw in his technique as a corner but he's gonna be a special teams guy and uh, i think they have faith kind of you know throwing him in there as quickly as he shows up and you know with those physical traits just like taylor said uh, 
you're over six foot and you run that fast of a 40, yeah. you're going to get the attention of uh, a, a lot of people when, when you're a cornerback. So the NFL is all about speed now, right? These receivers are getting faster and faster. These, you know, and these special teams players, even, you know, the receivers that are low on the depth charts for other teams that play special teams, they're getting faster and faster. So I was a little bit surprised that they didn't resign Ryan Smith because yeah. I believe it was almost the same exact amount that they signed him for last year that he signed with the, the Chargers for. Yeah. Um, but they, they must have, maybe they just wanted a fresh body there. Thought they were going to go corner a little bit earlier. Now, same. leading up to the draft, like if you would have asked me in March, I probably would have been like, ah, oh, they probably won't go corner that early, maybe in the fourth or fifth. But then when we got closer, I started to think, I was like, man, they might go corner like in the second or third mm-hmm. round, maybe. Um, I thought well, yeah, the corner, yeah, the corner mocked uh, second round of your draft. Yeah, yeah, the the the, the corner that went to start night uh, day two, like he literally went off the board right away. I was like, nice. Um, I I did it on the draft network, guys. He was available in my simulation, <laughs> uh, but that's why it's a simulation. Uh, so, yeah, I thought maybe they would have gone corner a little bit earlier. I think they probably would have liked to, but maybe the board just we don't know what their board was, right? So. Uh, maybe their board just didn't really fall their way. It happens sometimes. Um, so Wilcox, like you, know, like you said, is a guy that's going to get every opportunity, I think, to, to, to replace Ryan Smith as that gunner. He's another guy that has a little bit of an injury history. Uh, so hopefully he can stay healthy. But, I mean, I'll take a chance. Right, seventh round, you're eight picks away from the end of the draft. I'll, I'll take a chance on a dude with those physical traits any day of the week. Um, this was, I think this was basically about the Bucks didn't want to compete with other teams to sign him as an und- undrafted free agent, yeah. so just pick him. And I think that the next pick pretty much represents that as well. Yeah, I mean, when you look at what he is from a physical makeup, he is exactly what the Bucks like in their cornerbacks, 6'2". He's long, he's big, and he Jamel can D. run like, like yeah. crazy. That's exactly right. He's big, he can run, and then you hope, He's probably going to be battling it out for Herb Miller. Um, and, and that's mm-hmm. going to be – I mean, I, that's not a given. I mean, I think no. they really like Herb Miller. They brought him up. He even got a pick last year. Interception. Against Detroit. Yeah. How cool is that, you know, for him? But um, he's going to be competing for that fifth spot behind Cockrell. Um, one of the things – I think big things is he hasn't missed a tackle since 2017. So I think that really bodes well for him as a gunner. If he can tackle well, run a 4-3, some odd 40. He's big. That kind of the, – the physical mold that they like in their cornerbacks, that's really good. Um, like you said, extremely limited. He he was a fifth-year senior uh, this past year. He's 23 years old, but I think had one game played last year, 11 the year before, seven and eight the two before that. So he has had some injuries. But, again, he's 23 years old, but you're, it's a seventh-round pick. You're not worried about, right. you know, a ton, a ton of development. You just hope that you can take those tools, um, make the technique a little better, make him someone that was like Ryan Smith. We don't probably want him on the field in coverage. If you have to put him in there, he can do it, but he's going to make the team as a special teams ace. If that's what you're hoping, not calling that he will, he's still got to battle it out, but I think that's ideally what they want from him. Yeah. And I think the same can be said for the final pick of the draft. Number 259 overall, Mr. uh, Mr. Irrelevant is headed to Tampa Bay this season. It is linebacker Grant Stewart from Houston. 
it, just another special team situation. I mean, no disrespect uh-huh. to Stewart. You know, he's the last pick of the draft. He's got a great story off of the field. Uh, his dad was awesome. in jail. His mom had some stuff going on. So it's a really inspiring story, and it's great to see him get drafted. But I, I just I look at him, and he's not a guy that looks like he has the speed to really keep up with anything that's going to be happening on this defense. Um, so, you know, he is just a plug-in at, uh, at special teams. I mean, he has energy. Uh, he's he's fast. He's physical. He's tough. But I, I don't see him as anything more than just another guy on uh, special teams. Yeah, he's a he's a, he's a Texas boy. So like obviously Texas, man, you're you're raised on football pretty much. And uh, a guy like, you know, there's going to be so many people that call him Stewart instead of Stewart. Uh, there's just going to be so many people. I've already seen it. Uh, people are like, oh, yeah, that Grant Stewart guy. I'm like, no, it's not quite. But uh, yeah, just like you Very said. I, yeah, yeah. Very close. Um, I, I just I, yeah, I, I don't see him really making a case for like a linebacker spot. There was some talk that maybe he could actually maybe move to safety or be like that that uh, money backer kind of mm-hmm. like a Dion Buchanan. I believe James actually mentioned Dion Buchanan uh, in his video for him. But uh, there was some talk of that. We'll see what they plan to do with him. Uh, that'll be obviously determined in training camp, which obviously it seems like a while away, but we're only a few months away. So uh, we will see what happens there. But, yeah, he's, he's a guy that you can plug in. He's a really good special teams player. He has experience with it. Uh, he's really – that was like if, – if you're, if you're looking at it, that was like his specialty. Like he was, he was really good at it when he had to do it. Um, and I think that's what the Bucks really liked about them. Those, they like those guys that are good football players, but also good humans. And I think that's every pick they've made, right? Oh yeah, um, yeah. Every every pick that's a big made, emphasis on them. Yeah, I mean, you, you didn't see them go after any guys that had some off-field concerns or motivation concerns. They wanted to pick, you know, the players that they knew. Obviously, every GM would like to pick players that they knew that they, you know, worked hard and were, and were good people. But the Bucks aren't willing to take those chances where some teams are. So the Bucks have a very specific type of person that they want to bring in their locker room. And a guy like Stewart is is just that. And um, I mean, he he literally said in in his press conference that he was getting ready for free agency. He was he was, you know, talking to some teams and all of a sudden uh, he gets a phone call with area code eight one three and boom, right? Gone. Uh, the the last pick. He said it was a surprise. But yet again, this could be another case where the Bucs see a player that they think that they like, and they don't think that they're going to be able to probably land him on the undrafted free agent market. They don't want to you know, spend energy or resources just competing with teams to do it. So they're like, you know what? It's the last pick. It yeah. is like it is it yeah. is done. Just pick him. So uh, just get him in the building. Make sure he's yours. And uh, they they did just that. Yep. Um. You guys pretty much hit the nail on the head. I mean, six one, but uh, kind of a tweener as far as size goes, two twenty five. So you kind of, like you said, might be that hybrid safety linebacker. I guess um, uh, Light said he would be, you know, a mo in their system. So I guess they see him as a linebacker, but probably not. You know, he said uh, it reminded him. I can't remember who it was off the top of my head. Larry Izzo, um, when yeah. he was with the with the Dolphins, in Miami, so he yeah. said, you know, came in as another undersized linebacker. And made a heck of a career for himself. Played a lot of years as a as a, uh, as a special teams linebacker. So he they seemed really confident in his ability. But again, just special teams. They they went into d- day three wanting to get special teamers. 
They spent all four picks on guys that they hope can make the spe- team, you know, on special teams. Mm-hmm. And like you said, for the last couple, probably just going after guys that they didn't want to compete with other teams for an undrafted free agent list. And when you when you return all your starters, you're able to literally spend yeah. an entire day, an entire day of the draft, right. four picks, yeah. four draft picks devoted to five, really, team. if you want to count the trade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. had five yeah. picks, got four players out of you know yeah. all for special teams, one yeah. reason. Yep, yep. Um, so somebody in the chat, Tom in the chat, said Ryan Sucker was Mister Irrelevant, wasn't he? Yes, he was. So the yeah. Bucks have a fellow Mister Irrelevant, the first ever. Mr. Irrelevant to win the Super Bowl. So maybe the Bucks are trying to go for the first ever team to have two Mr. Irrelevants on the same roster win a Super Bowl. So uh, that would be uh, pretty cool there. And obviously that that's another cool thing. Grant Stewart can sit there and talk to Ryan Suckup. Like, hey, man, what, what was your journey like? Because those guys now, right? Those guys, I feel like those those guys that are Mr. Irrelevant, like they kind of like do share, they, they share something because oh, – yeah. Like there, there's a reason there's a name for that pick, right? Yeah. It's, it's literally been done. Mr. They do, Irrelevant. man. They really milk it at the draft too, they don't do. they? They do. When, when they she do. came up and announced it, I almost felt bad. She was like, <laughs> what you've all been waiting for, Mr. Irrelevant. We got we got the 46th Mr. Irrelevant. And then she read off his name, you know, linebacker out of Houston, Grant Stewart. And then she goes, congratulations, Grant. And I was like, oh, that's nice. On being Mr. Irrelevant, I was like, dang, that's kind of cold. Yeah. When she she hit him with the guy, I thought I legit was like, she was like, congrats, Grant. And I was like, wow, it's the nicest thing you've said to him the whole time. Yeah. And then and then she, I, I could not believe when she added, congrats, Grant, on being Mr. Irrelevant. I was like, dang, that's just cold. Well, and then they like, handed him the jersey know. too, right? Congrats him for, yeah, they were holding up the yeah. two, what is it, 259 <laughs> Bucks jersey. Yeah, 259. I was like, man, like, you've already called him Mr. Irrelevant six times. Congratulate him on being drafted. Like, don't yeah. congratulate him on being Mr. Irrelevant. Like, be like, congrats, Grant, period. End of sentence. Like, <laughs> you've been drafted. But oh. like, man, they really milk it. I, I kind of feel bad to an extent, but hey, man, if I, I wouldn't, if I was drafted I, to the NFL, I wouldn't care. I went. Yeah, I don't, I don't yeah, care. Right? I don't care where I'm at. You, that dude you, can, for the rest of his life, say NFL draft pick Grant Stewart. So, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. How how many people can say that? So um, many. Yeah, and then and then they're real quick. They're undrafted free agents. I saw a lot. I, I just want to address this because there were two pretty high profile undrafted free agents that weren't signed by Tampa, and a lot of people were kind of asking me about it. The two were Marvin Wilson from uh, Florida State and Dylan Moses uh, from uh, Alabama. Dylan Moses, the, the case with him is the Jaguars signed him, and his medicals are so bad that he is literally going on NFL I, which is, I believe, the non-football injury list. Uh, right away, he's going on that list right away to rehab his knee. Um, he was a projected. If you looked at mock drafts a year a year ago, you know today he was probably a projected first round pick. Had a rough year in 2020, but then also dealt with a lot of injuries and just too scary to to, to take a chance. And then for Marvin Wilson, I think he might have had some injury concerns as well. But another guy that just didn't really have a good year, and then he stopped playing for Florida State. I think. Didn't play the full season. And man, you look, if he would have come out last year. He would have been a first-round pick, yeah. He could have been a – you know, I think I think he was one of those guys where he went, you know, I'm a second-round pick maybe, you know. But if I go back – and I listen I listened to the Pro Football Focus pod a lot. Uh, Steve Palazzolo and Sam Monson, they talked about him a lot. And, you know, he was a situation where, you know, you go, okay, I'm going to go back. And if I have a really good year, I could bump up into that first round. Big risk. That, you know, that, mo- that monetary bump mm-hmm. is, is significant. I can, And it just – it was almost a situation where they were going – 
you look at guys and you're so worried about the one-year wonders, you know, the Kyle Trask, the Wilcox to talk about the Bucks a little bit, the guys who had all of their production, you know, in one final year. And how do you, how do you kind of grade that? And how do you look at that and go, okay, is this sustainable? Is that kind of a flash in the pan? Are they going to be able to translate that to the NFL level consistently? Marvin Wilson was almost the opposite where he had such a massive regression mm-hmm. in that one year back that te- that teams had to sit there and go, okay, what's going Like, how do you deal with such a significant regression? You expect players to grow, not take massive steps back. And then how do you, and then we saw, I think how teams determined it with him. I don't know about the, you know, injuries and things like that and off field concerns. I know nothing about that. It's not for me to, you know, talk about, I don't know anything whether, whether there is or not, but his play significantly took a step back and it, yeah. I mean, his draft stock is significant. I, yeah, not even, not even drafted. Yeah, I mean, he, he was signed immediately. Drafted. He was yeah. signed immediately during the draft. I, but there was I think he, like, he oh was there gosh. was there was reports of him going to Cleveland. I think before the Grant Stewart yeah. pick was actually announced. Uh, so yeah, immediately. But and a lot of people were asking me why the Bucks didn't sign him. Look, the Bucks weren't going to get a lot of uh, undrafted free agents. One, they don't have a lot of roster space, and two undrafted free agents the best ones are going to go where they feel they have the best chance mm-hmm. to make the team so like, they get a choice like it's not like you know it's the draft yeah. and they get picked to go where to go we don't know um, that the bucks didn't say hey you want to come play for us he's right. Yeah. Like, why would and, i do that and they're like you got no. vita vea and dominican sue you got yeah. stevie mcclendon back <laughs> you got will golston you got nacho back where am i what am i going to do there yeah yeah exactly like there there's probably a few players that that just said like no, no thanks like i'm good um so yeah, it's just that that's just something I wanted to put out there. Um, Kevin says, it, "I will say it was really nice to see the draft again." Yeah, yeah it was. So yeah. The, you know, think the actual draft like took a little bit longer. Uh, I thought I, the chair I, thing was a little weird. Uh, I, I feel um, like that was funny. The, uh, I thought the callback was kind of funny. The, the lazy <laughs> boy. I said I texted that to a group chat. I was like, "Oh man, callback to the lazy boy." It was great, but I thought like the theatrics of it all kind of extended things a little bit longer than they should have been getting the fan up there having everything ready to go i don't know i was asleep for most of the draft if i'm honest yeah, but, uh, yeah i was about to say yeah you you didn't you didn't make a bucks pick no dude live no i what? didn't make it for two Aaron days Darden i was asleep <laughs> i was asleep for all of day one well no not all because i was on a couple live streams but i went to bed about 12 30 or uh, 10 30 on day one and day two i was taking a nap so i just slept for 14 straight hours and, oh, and missed man. everything there you go long uh, nights <laughs> with the draft yeah right it's the ended first, after uh, midnight when the bucks are picking yeah right right <laughs> Crazy. um and neil asked i wonder what team evan thinks had the best draft i i liked what washington did i really like what detroit did though and it's kind of a shocker that i'm gonna say yeah. good things about the lions but like, I mean, man, D- Detroit absolutely hit out of the park. Miami had a really nice draft. I like Carolinas. And Cleveland um, had a nice draft, too. Cleveland had a nice draft. I, Chicago, props to you. Props to you, yeah. Chicago. Only, um, what, three picks, but absolutely yeah. knocks I mean, those out of the park. J- Justin Fields, Tevin Jenkins, two guys that I think can come in from day one and contribute right away. Um, so, yeah, I mean Chicago gets a lot of the hate Jets. From Mitch Trubisky. Yeah, the, the Jets. Jets. Yeah, the Jets had a, had a nice one. Um, there, there was a lot of teams, and I, I know every single fan base of every single team is going to come out of this weekend. Man, we killed it, right? Oh man, we, man, oh man, we got this guy and this guy and this guy. Look, there's every year. There's probably five or six teams that actually had a good draft class. 
So just wait a year and then reevaluate. But uh, I mean, I have no problems with, with doing draft grades like afterwards, but like, it's just funny to me seeing all basically all 32 teams. Like if it's you like, ask the fan, like they're never going to every, every pick yeah. is a home run. Every pick's a steal. Well, it's just like every team's a Super Bowl contender in July. Right. Every yeah. player is a pro bowler in, in April. <laughs> right. It's funny. Right. Every- I am a surprisingly a, friends with a lot of Raiders fans on Facebook. And I got to tell you, bro, maybe just because it's Facebook, but I, I don't think I have seen a better example of people rallying together to try and justify what took place for the Raiders in the draft this the year. Funny, the funny John thing Gruden is, can't draft. Oh he, man, he, can't. he just he well, doesn't know it's what like he's doing. John talked about it a little on the live draft, and it's like they—I've never seen a team that just deviates so far. I mean, the consensus list is something you can print out and read. Mm-hmm. Like, and they deviate so far. Not not even all of their picks. I necessarily think are bad players or things like that. Trayvon it's Moore just that they draft player. them so. I mean. Leatherwood, I think he might have been a third round pick. Yeah, just yeah, felt inappropriate. He, he literally, I think he had a, a sixty one percent chance of being available with their next pick at forty five. I think. Yes. Yeah, so. Um, so I yeah, and they literally, um, if if you if you flipped uh, their 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 first two picks, Trayvon Morig at seventeen and Alex Leatherwood at forty five, I don't think many people would have an issue with it, right? I just, yeah. I just can't believe that you they just Alex deviate from I think what yeah. They just there, look at players differently balls. than the other 31. And at some point you yeah. have to go, why are our boards so significantly different than everyone else's? Right, right. Like and you I have just, to kind of look in the mirror and reevaluate what on your board is, why it's so different. There, there's some curveballs every year, but I feel like they just go way out there. So a few more things before we head out. The Saints had three reaches in their first four picks. Love to see it. Yeah, Ben, um, it was uh, – I like Peyton Turner, and, but it was a little bit of a reach for me. It, uh, and they got themselves a quarterback. Listen, I don't know how much Buck. you guys buy into the uh, report that I had seen that there are rumors saying they tried to trade up and nobody would budge. Yeah. Uh, have you heard any more from that? Um, apparently, well, apparently one of the reasons I think Albert Breer might have said it, that any team in the top 10 wanted the Saints were offering their first this year and their first next year. But any team in the top 10 to move back that far wanted their first again the next year. And the mm. Saints were willing to do that. So honestly, probably smart for the Saints. Like I wouldn't give up three first round picks yeah. if I'm not moving up for a quarterback, which it was reported they weren't. So, um, you know, it's smart for them. But and then there was a thing about question about Jacksonville, obviously Trevor Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence. And I like Tyson Campbell a lot. I had a mock to the Bucks in the second round. But I just don't get the Travis Etienne's good, right? I just don't get it. James Robinson was fifth in the NFL in rushing last year. He yeah. was an undrafted free yeah. agent, was like one of the lone bright spots for a, just an awful season for you. And you just basically give, gave him the finger. Um, I think that could have been used in a lot of different spots uh, to help the quarterback out more. And um, yeah, I just, I, Travis Etienne, it's nothing against him. It's kind of like uh, Jamar Chase with Cincinnati. It's nothing against Jamar Chase. But it, like the pe- the pick should have been Penny Swell. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I just you know it's nothing against Jamar Chase. He's a good player. Like Travis Etienne is a good player, but he probably shouldn't have been the pick. So I like Jacksonville draft outside of that. Yeah. So let's go ahead and put a grade on this thing. Here we are at the end of the show. We've talked about the Buccaneers' 2021 draft class. I'll go ahead and kick things off. Uh, I gotta give it a B. 
I mean, it's very clear what they were doing here. And I think it's something that shouldn't come as a shock to people. Uh, maybe the second round pick of a quarterback is something you can raise an eyebrow at, but they went into this with a clear mission of getting help on special teams. And that was the biggest theme that you saw. Every other player uh, is kind of an experimental guy, you know, a developmental guy situation that Tryon is in Kyle Trask, the ultimate development guy, if we're going to sit here and talk about it. Um, so I'm going to give it a B and it's just, you know, the Trask pick isn't a pick I would make. Uh, so it'll sit at a solid B. I do like the, um, you know, special teams help. I like addressing that because we did need it. The departure of Ryan Smith was going to be felt. And I think getting some fresher faces back there will definitely do some good. Uh, but I give it a B Evan. What is your grade? Yeah, I actually, I I've had this grade for a few days now and I, I was, I was really kind of going back and forth between a B and a B plus. I think I'm going to settle on a B um, just because the more I think about it, it's just about the Kyle tracks thing. And it, I don't know, it, like I said, it's, it's more about just the 2022 quarterback thing than, than, you know, Kyle Trask, the player himself. I just think that they should have been looking to draft one next year instead of this year. Well, whatever. Um, I, I like Joe Tryon a lot. He was one of my you know favorite players coming out. Uh, Aziz Ojolari was on the board, but he also fell to 50 to the Giants. So there was yeah. the, clearly the medical issues with his knee were, were probably real um, or it was a great smoke screen by somebody. Um, but so I, I do like the Joe Tryon pick. I really like the Jalen Darden pick. Robert Hainsey is a very specific pick and Irish, but you know, like they know what they wanted and they got it like awesome. And special teams, you know, uh, you, they got their return, man. So there's your, your sort of your offense. And then your coverage units, I think should maybe hopefully improve if all three of those guys make the roster and, and contribute. So I'll give it a, a solid B. Um, I could see you making a case for a B minus C plus. I can also maybe make you, see you making a case for for a b plus it really all depends on what you think of the kyle trask pick i think that's what determines this like do you think kyle trask is the future starter then it might even be like an a minus or an a yeah. if you yeah. think kyle trask is the future guy um but if you don't then you, you're going to drop it down a little bit uh so what what grade would you give taylor um i wanted to say c plus um but I feel like C plus almost like, I don't think it's a bad grade, but I feel like people are going to take a C plus as like, I think it was a bad draft. I think trial right. was a good pick. I think good developmental pick. I, like you said, I really like what I like. I think Hainsey is really good for what they want at that spot. Really good out of what they want out of a backup, a backup offensive lineman. Um, they did. Ex- so it's so hard because it's an underwhelming draft mm-hmm, because you're is. not getting a bunch of guys that you're like, like last year we watched them get, you know, an all pro, you know, caliber <laughs> starting right tackle and a rookie who came in and, you know, was almost rookie of the year candidate starting, you know, uh, safety started all two guys that started all 16 games, super high caliber. I mean, you know, that's knocking it out of the park. So when you compare it to that, it's obviously way down the list. Um, it's tough because whether, whether whatever I think about, you know, if it's quote unquote underwhelming, they did exactly what they wanted to do. And I feel like um, it's they, kind of what... they got the developmental edge rusher. They got the, the developmental quarterback got the pick they wanted in three, four with their lineman and their returner. And then they attack special teams. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you compare it to the teams, like we mentioned that really knocked it out of the park, you know, when you're looking at like the jets and the Panthers and uh, the, the Browns and the dolphins who are potentially making franchise altering drafts, day one, two, and three, I think C plus B minus, I think it was a good draft. They did exactly what they wanted to do. If you're, if your goal is passing the test, you did it, you did it well. Mm-hmm. But it's just you're not nothing wrong with being 
you know, a good draft when you're in their position. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just not and, you didn't and knock it out of the part, I don't the, think. The, the benefit, the the two like, you know, a lot of those teams, Jacksonville being at one, right? One and yep. twenty five. It's easy it's easier for them to get an A plus than it is for the Bucks. Uh Miami being at six and eighteen. I mean, but Miami, man, getting Jalen Waddle and Jalen Phillips. I mean, man, oh man, that is that is one first round haul. Uh, I know they wanted Javante Williams, but they weren't able to get him. But then you get got Liam Eikenberg. I, I mean, there's you know, Javon Holland. There, there's a lot of talent coming to Miami. So, um, yeah, yeah. When it, you're it, up there, it's almost like when you're looking at the test. They got a true or false question, and the Bucks yeah. have a a 14 option, multiple choice with an essay. Right, it's a lot tougher right. when you're at yeah, where they're at. It's, yeah. it, it's a lot. It's a lot. We're, we're Easy to knock that. it out of the park when you're sitting, when you have picks one and 25 and when you're the Jets and you have pick two and whatever, you know, Dolphins yeah. had six and 18, I think. So yeah. easier for them to do that. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's just, it's, and they had needs to fill Yeah, guys it, that can it, step I, in immediately. Yeah. I think automatically it was going to be tough for the Bucks to get a, awesome great for this draft just because unless something crazy happened and a guy fell or they did something that nobody was expecting and they ended up moving up in the top 15 for somebody and you know then then that's different but i don't really think anybody was seriously expecting that so uh it it was always going to be tough for them to get a very high grade but i think it's a fair grade i think it's a fair grade from all of us um and like i said you can make the case i think anywhere from from a C to, to like a B plus, I think would, would be the range. I, I, I think, yeah. but um, yeah, I think they, they did a solid job for like Taylor said for what they wanted to do. Yeah. Congratulations. You, you passed the test. You didn't barely pass. Yeah. The this test. was that, this was that final exam where you go, okay, I need a C plus to it get just, an A in the class. Just, yeah. just I got go an A in the class yeah. locked up. All I need is a yeah. C plus and you walk right. away with a B minus and you got your A, you You're go good. on and you have a Super Bowl caliber roster with some good players that you wanted. So yeah. I think they did exactly what they wanted to do. And that that's great for them, you know, obviously, but you're not walking away with home run players in every round. Yeah. And, and personally, you know, I don't think a lot of people should be taken back that this draft feels underwhelming because in a way, I think we expected it a little bit. Yeah. Uh, we knew they were going to be addressing probably special teams, maybe some depth, uh, depth at thir- certain places. And like you both said, if that's what they set out to do, they did a great job. But, you know, you didn't really hit any home run picks. Nothing felt out of the ordinary you know i remember last year they were obviously picking much earlier but elaine antoine winfield jr and tristan worse those two picks by themselves made that draft at least yeah, a B. That's an a. and everything else that followed up obviously ended up working out but ladies and gentlemen i think that's just about going to wrap this episode up thank you so much to taylor jenkins of pewterreport.com for hanging out with us taylor what are you busy on right now post draft and uh, where can the people find your work yeah, you can find me on Twitter at T Jenkins Tampa. You can find my writing over at Pewter Report. Make sure you head over there, check out our stuff. We got a lot of great stuff coming up. We, you know, we really worked hard getting ready for the draft. We uh, kind of changed the whole site up for the draft. Had the live cast all three days, um, so busted our butts doing that. And I mean, never sleep. Writing keeps going, keeps going, keeps going. We got work coming up every day. You can follow us on Twitter at Pewter Report. Make sure you follow them on YouTube and Instagram as well. We're trying to get those numbers up, bring you guys the best content we can. But thank you guys so much for having me on. It's always a blast. I love coming on and doing this stuff, talking bucks. Got a good 90 minutes in, and I mean, just excited to be talking about the players they got and not who they're going to get anymore. It's just yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm hyped. Had a lot of fun tonight, guys. Let's get ready for actual football now. Right? Yeah, man. That's exactly right. <laughs> the NFL schedule release next week. And then before you know it, rookie minicamp is here. May 15th is when Bruce Arian says things are going to be kicking off. So we're looking forward to that as we start our new year of Buccaneer coverage. 
Follow the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are Cannon Fire Podcast. Best place to go for updates on the show and, of course, Buccaneer news as it happens. Speaking of Bucks news as it happens, you can follow my co-host Evan on Instagram at Bucks underscore daily. You can also find him on Twitter at EvanNFL. Last but not least, you can find myself, Instagram, and Twitter at Redicus, R-H-E-T-T-A-K-U-S. If you follow me, I will follow you back. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of the Cannon Fire Podcast presented by our friends over at Bet Online. I am your host, Rhett, signing off for Evan and Taylor. We'll talk to you guys soon. Go Bucks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.